This is a Cato Special Podcast. I'm Caleb Brown. The Bush Justice Department has filed a curious brief on the first pure Second Amendment case to go before the Supreme Court in many decades. So what's their rationale? Cato Institute senior fellow Bob Levy, co-counsel on the case challenging the D.C. gun ban, weighs in. The case will be heard by the high court today. The Solicitor General, on behalf of the Justice Department, uh, took the position that the Second Amendment does, in fact, secure an individual right to keep and bear arms, not a right that's limited uh, to service in the militia. And with that conclusion, we certainly agree. Second, the Solicitor General took the position that any regulation under the Second Amendment has to be subject to some form of heightened scrutiny by the courts. We have taken the position, first, that that scrutiny appropriately should be strict scrutiny. Strict scrutiny requires a twofold showing by the regulating body. First, that the, the government has a compelling interest in the regulation, and second, that the regulation is narrowly tailored to accomplish the interest. It's not any broader uh, than necessary. And we have argued that because the right to keep and bear arms is a fundamental right, it, like other fundamental rights, should be subject to strict scrutiny. But we have further argued that even under the solicitor's standard of heightened scrutiny, which is not quite strict, but it's not a rubber stamp, and in fact, even under the standard that the D.C. government recommends, which is a reasonableness standard, the D.C. gun ban cannot withstand scrutiny under any of those standards. So it is not even necessary for the court to determine what the level of scrutiny should be. But if it does so, uh, it should determine that it's strict scrutiny. After all, we're talking about a right, an individual right, expressly set forth in the Bill of Rights, along with all of the other rights that we accord a great deal of scrutiny. And the Second Amendment should be no exception. From the Washington Post story on Sunday in which uh, you were quoted, the city received an unlikely lifeline from the Bush administration, which told the court the amendment provides an individual right, but the appeals court erred in deciding the district's ban was automatically unconstitutional. If adopted by this court, Clement argued, such an analysis could cast doubt on the constitutionality of existing federal legislation prohibiting possession of certain firearms, including machine guns. You're saying that Federal law is not at all at issue. This is a bogus argument. We are not challenging any federal gun regulation. We're not even challenging uh, a large variety of state and local gun regulations. We're not talking about machine guns. We're not talking about shotguns. We're not uh, sawed-off shotguns. We're not talking about a large variety of weapons that people might question whether or not regulations are permissible. We are talking about an ordinary garden variety handgun, not on the streets, but in the home, kept for purposes of self-defense. This is a very narrow lawsuit, and we are requesting very narrow relief. So it is entirely bogus for the Solicitor General to suggest that any federal gun regulations are at stake in this case. They are not. It is the purpose of the Solicitor General, though, isn't it, to keep open avenues of argument in the future to advance government interest? Now, the stated goal of the Solicitor General is to defend the constitutionality, among other things, to defend the constitutionality of federal laws, including federal gun laws. But of course, he has an overriding objective that could occasionally trump that objective that I've just stated. And the overriding objective is to defend the Constitution. So if indeed there were a federal law, a federal gun regulation that was unconstitutional, 
The solicitor should be defending the Constitution and not the law. Now, happily, in this case, there's no uh, necessary conflict between the two. We're not disputing the constitutionality of any, uh, any of the federal gun laws. So the solicitor has the happy uh, situation where he can both defend the constitutionality of the federal gun laws and defend the Constitution. And that's all we request, uh, we, we request that he do. And the solicitor's general, solicitor general's office also does stand down in which a f- in where laws come into conflict with the Constitution. Yes, yeah, some years ago there was a, a statute that would have effectively eviscerated the Miranda standard um, <clears throat> under criminal law, and the Justice Department decided not to defend that statute. So when there is a conflict, uh, the solicitor is certainly permitted to uh, stand up for the Constitution and not for an unconstitutional law. But as I've said, there is no such conflict in this case. We're not challenging any federal law. And the very thought, and this was the final point that the solicitor made, that this case had to be sent back to the lower courts for more fact-finding to determine whether or not the D.C. gun ban could pass muster. Uh, This, too, is a bogus argument. The D.C. gun ban is a ban on all handguns, actually all functional firearms, not just handguns, but rifles and shotguns as well, in all homes at all times for all people. And if that kind of regulation, actually a prohibition, could possibly withstand scrutiny at any level, then there is no regulation that would be overturned. And in fact, the Second Amendment would have been excised from the Constitution. The Constitution would have been treated as so much tissue paper. Vice President Dick Cheney, as you pointed out before we started talking, in his capacity as the president of the Senate, signed off on the congressional brief, which made exactly that argument that no further fact-finding or return back to the appeals court would serve any legitimate purpose. Yes, and uh, that, that brief, by the way, was signed by 255 members of the House, a majority, including 68 Democrats. It was signed by 55 senators, a majority, including nine Democrats, and as you noted, by the vice president of the United States. And that suggests that perhaps the vice president was splitting with the administration on this uh, issue of whether or not the case should be uh, remanded. Um, there's been some speculation that President Bush uh, knew about the vice president's position, supported it, and encouraged him to do uh, what he did. Um, there's that speculation, frankly, I can't comment on because I'm not privy to what goes on inside the information, uh, the administration. But I do think it's important to note that the Solicitor General's brief uh, is not a brief uh, that we um, sought or that we even look favorably on. In fact, it, it does, as the article in the newspaper suggested, throw a lifeline to those persons who don't want this issue resolved, who want to send it back to the lower courts where it will be involved in years more of depositions, a battle of the statisticians, and the expert witnesses only to return to the higher courts, which will by then have changed the complexion, and we will be right back where we started. There's no fact-finding necessary to determine whether an outright ban on all of these functional firearms uh, could possibly withstand congressional scrutiny. We have all the information on the record that we could possibly need for that purpose. And the solicitor's suggestion that what's really involved here is federal gun laws, and in particular, the regulation of machine guns, that is a, <clears throat> an argument that has no merit whatsoever. Bob Levy is a Cato Institute senior fellow and co-counsel on the case challenging the District of Columbia's ban on handguns. 
You can read more on the Second Amendment at our website, cato.org.